Ooh, amen. <clears throat> hey, guy, guy, thank you. Where are you, guy? There you are. That was great. Did you see? I don't. I don't most of you probably weren't paying attention, but guy kind of just whispered and wanted to start singing hallelujah, and that was real good. <laughs> just like the the presence of God just got a little bit sweeter, uh, a little bit stronger. So, thank you for being sensitive. Um, to that guy and uh, okay <laughs> it's a sound system what can you do it's not the sound man that's for sure um, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8 and uh, we're going we're gonna to start there today we've got a really interesting account of Jesus interacting with someone that we're going we're gonna to jump into This is like one of the most wild, wild accounts of Jesus there is in the Bible. This is like, this is, this is crazy here. This is, you know, this is, uh, it's very interesting to watch if it was ever made into an accurate movie. Um, but today is interesting that my wife doesn't know what I'm preaching about really. I mean, she kind of got a little idea. We don't normally talk about it. Unlike John 2... Did you notice that John 2 is our youth pastor, if you're a guest, uh, or Second John, whichever one you want to call him. Uh, he taught, last time he was preaching, he talked about he ran his sermon by his wife, and she gave him all this feedback. I'm like, man, you're, you've only been married a few months, uh, and either you haven't learned anything yet, or you're just braver than I. Because I prefer to just like, I'm not going to tell anybody. We'll just show up and hope it's God, right? And so... <laughs> I'll find out Sunday if it is. <laughs> Don't tell me beforehand. And so, um, but she opened, if you'll note, if you hear at the start of our service, uh, she said, we're, we're going to talk about, isn't it great that the name of Jesus is greater than any other name? And so, you know, we've got a holiday this week that focuses a lot on darkness, and I'm not going to focus in on Halloween and try to get into all that, because... Uh, you know, the darkness is going to be dark, and that's not my concern. I want to be concerned with being the light and what I'm to be as the light. And so I, I don't want to get too focused on the darkness, but Jesus did confront darkness. He didn't focus on it, but he did confront it, and he did deal with it. And so we have a great template here of how Jesus deals with our darkness, but also how we as the people of light, if you're a follower of Jesus, it says, once you were darkness in Ephesians 5, 8, but now you're light. So you are the light of the world, Jesus said. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So guess what? Who's the light of the world? Yeah. You are. And me too. <laughs> I get to be a part of that. And so this is an encounter of Jesus with just uh, darkness. But you're going to see that here's the deal. When darkness and light collide, light always wins. You can never make it darker and make light go out. Do you know that? If you turn on a light... I can't, I can't bring in darkness. I have, to, I have to lose the light. The light has to be gone in order for there to be darkness. Light always has the power to dispel darkness. And so Jesus is going through his ministry. He's got his disciples. They actually sail through a storm and they come to uh, the land. It says in, 
of the Gerasenes or the Gadarenes, and they don't really know exactly uh, which, which way it's said. So your Bible may say one, or it may say the other, or it may have a note at the bottom and says something else. And so, oh, I thought that was me. Uh, I was going to answer it. Hello? Um, I'm preaching. Call me back. So... <laughs> Jesus is approaching this land, and so we're going to pick it up here in verse 26. So everybody at Luke 8 in verse 26, if you, there's a Bible in front of you in the pew, and if, if not, it might show up on the screen behind you. Um, uh, Romans, Luke 8, 26, Holy Spirit, open the Word. It says this, They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. And when Jesus stepped ashore... He was met by a demon-possessed or a demonized man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice. I mean, get this, this picture, okay? This is getting kind of wild, okay? This is where those of you who don't like something to get crazy are like, awkward, There's this dude screaming at us, and we just got off the boat. You know, that's not what we were expecting. And so he's screaming at the top of his voice, at the top of his voice, his, 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 his baseball game voice, okay? I won't say which team he was shouting for, uh, but this guy was definitely not going for the Dodgers. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that was, we'll, we'll get off of that. So when he saw Jesus, he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged him repeatedly not, not to order them to go into the abyss. So a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them, and he gave them permission. have no idea why Jesus did that. I don't want to get into that. Uh, Jesus had his reasons, and I've heard lots of hy- hypotheses. Uh, I think we just really don't know. That God just sometimes, why did he go ahead and let them go into the pigs? We'll see. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. So they had to go somewhere else anyway. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed... And in his right mind. I lost my spot. Oh, and they were afraid. Isn't that interesting? Then all the people of the region... Oh, those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them. Because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat... And left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town, and in fact, all over the ten cities, it says in the other uh, account in Mark, I believe, how, in the Decapolis it was called, how much Jesus 
had done for him. So we've got this amazing encounter with darkness. And of course the light wins. The darkness is begging the light for mercy. It's a good thing to remember. You know, when, the, when our world gets darker, here's the deal. It, it doesn't matter how dark it gets. The light is still in charge. The light still has the authority. The light still has the, the power to overcome the darkness. Now, Jesus didn't run from it. He didn't hide from it. He went right straight toward it. What does it say when Jesus landed? He's, he's immediately taking care of this guy. He wants this guy free. It wasn't about just winning a battle. The battle between light and darkness is this. It's about people's lives. It's about people's souls. It's about people's well-being. Jesus came to seek and save that, was lo- that which was lost. And so this guy was lost. He had lost his dignity. He had lost his relationships. He had lost his, his freedom. He had, he had lost any hope. He had lost his purpose in life. He was totally lost. He was totally in bondage. And see, here's the deal. One of the key, you know, core values of the devil is this. He wants to distort, to destroy, and enslave the image of God. See, because human beings, it says we were created in the image of God. It doesn't say we were created to be God. It says we were created, to be, we were created in the image of God. In other words, we, we are free to love. We are free to, free to make choices. We are free to be creative. We have a, we have a, a moral, moral, design, moral compass in us where we can actually make moral choices. You know, the animals can't do that. There's no morality in animals. They're just, you know, you've got a dog and it, it's happy when you come home. It's, you know, when it tears something up that you don't want it to tear up. I mean, it's not being immoral. It's just being a dog. It has no choice. It's just tearing up something in the house and you beat it and it doesn't matter because it has no moral compass in its heart. In its, in its soul, it, it's, it is not made in the image of God. But we were created in the image of God. And the enemy, the devil himself, wants to come in. He wants to destroy that in any way he can. Why? Because he hates God. So when he sees a human being reflecting the Creator, he says, I want to mess that up. I want to distort that. I want to twist that. I want to pervert it. I want to make it another version of what it is. Because that's, it. that's his goal, because he hates God. And because you're created in the image of God, guess what? He hates you. And He'll do anything that He can to distort, to destroy, or to enslave you. You know, this is an extreme picture right here. I mean, this, is, I mean, this guy was obviously very demonized. It says he had his, you know, the, the demons said, we're legion. In other words, you know, we got a whole army here. <laughs> We got, a whole, we got a whole group here. And so this is an extreme case. But here's the deal. Anytime we're in bondage in our lives, spiritually, we look like this guy. This is what bondage looks like. It was just all exposed on the outside. Bondage on the inside looks like this spiritually. When I'm in bondage in my emotions, that this is what it looks like. When I'm in bondage in the way that I think... This is what it looks like. When I'm in bondage in my body, fighting off any kind of battles, then this is what it looks like. And so it's a picture of bondage. But here's the good news is when Jesus shows up, He's the bondage breaker. 
He's the, he's, the, he's the bond freer. He's the one that sets people free. He's the one when he shows up that the ones who are holding someone in bondage are saying, Jesus, no, 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 no. They're scared. Have you ever been in a, in a, in a meeting and you start to feel fear? Have you ever been in a church gathering and you start to feel fear? Guess what? There is some source, you know, the enemy has something in your life and there's nothing, you know... We're not going to feel shameful and guilty about that. We've all got things in our lives where we've allowed Him in. And as, when, we, when we come to Jesus, He begins to free us. He begins to walk with us. And we get freer and freer and freer. And there's some things we don't know. But if you've ever been in a place where you know, God is really moving and you're scared, it's because, guess what? The devil's trying to get you to run away. He wants you to run away from freedom. He wants you to get as far away from what Jesus is doing as possible. And so, I mean, here's the deal. This guy was out in the boonies. I mean, these demons were probably thinking, we got this guy. We got him good. He's out by himself. No one wants to come near him. No one wants to get near this guy. And then guess what? Jesus shows up on a boat. He steps off of the boat and there he is with the dude. Right there. We don't know what this guy was thinking in this moment. But I believe, even though the demons were saying, hey, we want to keep this guy or we don't send us, he was, he was ready to be free. When he saw the light, when the light showed up, he recognized the darkness. See, that's one of the things that happens is when the light shows up, it shines a light on the darkness. And so whenever, whenever light shows up, darkness is exposed. And so sometimes I need, I, have, I need to have an invitation where the light of Jesus can show up and expose things that are dark. Because you know what? I don't want to look like this dude. I don't want to look like this dude in the way I'm thinking. I don't want to look like this dude in the way I'm talking. I don't want to look like this dude in my relationships. I don't want to look like this dude in how I'm related to my, my wife and my kids. But the enemy wants to come in. He wants to distort the image of God. He wants to twist what's going on inside of me. He wants to twist my thinking. And so we have to realize that when the light shines, the darkness is going to be afraid. Now, right before this, I'm not even sure why I do notes on Sunday, but um, <laughs> I do have them. <laughs> right before this, what happens? Let's go back. I want, I want you to look at this before. This is so interesting. And I'm going to give you a little bit of what I think here. And some others think this too. Some other people of God think this. Verse 22 says this. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. Now here's the deal. You have to understand, they were, they were going to something called the, the Ten Cities or the Decapolis. And so what that was was on the... Eastern, yeah, eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, there were, these, there were these ten cities that had been, way back in the Greek Empire, had been Hellenized. In other words, they'd been, they brought in the Greek culture, and now the Romans were in charge, and so they had infused these cities. So they were, they were almost like pagan cities. They were in the land of, you know, of Galilee, but they were, they were these pagan cities that were, that were not worshiping God, that were not seeking God, that were not predominantly Jewish. They were probably predominantly Gentile, non-Jews, who were not seeking God, who were worshiping idols, who were inviting all kinds of demons into their lives. So it was no surprise that this guy was in bondage in this area. And so here's the deal. When Jesus said, let's go over to the other side of the boat, there were Jews at the time that didn't want to sail across the, the sea to that location. 
And there, you know, you can look up the ten cities on the internet and find out the names of them because I didn't write them down. But there's this, the Gerasenes of the Gadarenes is, is is one of them. And so these ten cities were kind of like this this circle of darkness, you can so to speak, where there was just like, you know, we don't want to go there. So Jesus says to the disciples, "Let's go sail to the other side of the boat." And so there might have been some of the disciples right in that moment. They were thinking, "I don't know if this is a good idea." You know, I don't I don't know if we should, you know go over to the, that section, you know. Can we, can we go south? Can we go north? Can, you know, not, not straight east to that place. We don't know if they're thinking that, but there's a possibility because there was kind of this, this idea in, in the Jewish uh, thinking at the time. So they got into the boat and set out. As they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. And a squall came down on the lake. So a huge storm. So, the, so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. We kind of get on the disciples sometimes because they were freaking out, even though Jesus was in the boat. But look, it does say this was a dangerous deal. So this is not, they weren't making it up. They weren't just being scaredy cats like, come on, man, Jesus is with you. Don't you know Jesus is with you? Have you ever done that? You know, it's like we need to just sometimes be reminded, hey, Jesus is with, in the boat with you. But they were in danger. It doesn't minimize the danger. It doesn't minimize the reality. The storm was still the storm. It didn't change anything about the storm. It just changed who was in the boat with them. It changed the outcome of what could happen in the storm because Jesus was with them. So the disciples in verse 24 says, they, The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters, and the storm subsided, and all was calm. Where's your faith? Jesus asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Now, I kind of agree with some who, who have thought this, and so I'm going to tell you my opinion here. So we're just going to give my little opinion, okay? You're like, I thought that's all you did preach. No, most of the time I hopefully just <laughs> pre- preach it. But this is going to be just, I'm going to give you my opinion, and there's other people who have thought that. Some people have wondered, why did Jesus have to rebuke the storm? Why did he, he actually literally come against it? And some think, and I think it was, I think there was resistance from the enemy. That in fact, this was a demonic storm. You're like, oh, can demons stir up the weather? I don't know. I've seen them do some crazy stuff. They can affect the natural way. Is God still in charge of the weather? Yeah, look what happened. He's still in charge. But we live in a fallen world where there's all kinds of stuff going on. So I think there was a resistance to the presence of Jesus sailing to this place because the light was going to break through the darkness. You know, here's the deal. Sometimes in the biggest storm of your life, you're right at the edge of freedom. You're just right at the door. God, you know, you might say, man, the storm is raging. This, this is so crazy. And it's just like, hey, guess what? Everything's being stirred up because the Savior is about to land on your shore. He is about to show up in that place of your life where you are in bondage, where you are enslaved, where you, are, you don't know how to get out. And so 
I kind of think it's like, why did Jesus? It's like he rebukes the wind. He doesn't just say stop. He's, he's coming against it. He's saying, wind, you don't belong here right now. You stop. He stood against the storm. He rebuked the waters. He stood against them. Now, whether that's true or not, Jesus still had authority over the storm. That's true for sure. And so, the disciples had to be already, they were a little disturbed about what was going on. And then they set foot on the, on the shore, and this guy is freaking out and going crazy. And you got to, I mean, let's be honest, if you were one of those disciples, what are you thinking in that moment? Are you, you're thinking, what have I got myself into? I mean, here's this guy that's screaming, that's bound, that can't be bound with chains, that says he has no clothes on. So you've got a naked guy coming up screaming at you, and you just get off the boat. Okay, you've got to be thinking at this point, what have I gotten myself into? You know, it would have been safer to stay, uh, you know, as a nice fisherman on the shore, and we just see fish and, you know, sell them to people. I mean, you know, Matthew, the tax collector, is thinking, boy, it was sure a lot easier just taking people's money. I mean, some of the other guys are thinking, oh... What is going on here? I mean, there's a couple of them that are thrilled. You know, there's, you know, there's always a couple of those ki- kinds of people that are like, Oh, yeah, we got the action now, baby. <laughs> right? Some of you are like that. Things, things start happening. Oh, yeah, God's on the move. Yes. <laughs> but some of the rest of us normal people, right? We're like, Oh, <laughs> hello. So whichever one you are, but here's the deal. Jesus wanted all his disciples. He, he said, hey, we're going over here. There, there's a purpose in what we're doing right now. We're, we're, we're doing my work right now. This is where we need to be. And so they come to this guy, and we've read already the part. But we have to be reminded that Jesus is greater than whatever we're facing. It doesn't matter if it looks this extreme. You may say, man... You, you may got, have something in your life where you're going, man, this just looks so, so hard. This looks so, so how can I get, get out of this? How can I get free from this? But Jesus is greater. His, his name is greater. The name Jesus is above every other name. It says that in Scripture. He has placed His name high above every name that is named, that has been named, or that could be named on heaven, on earth, and under the earth. That The name of Jesus is greater. And here's the deal, when, when we have bondage in our lives in any way, first of all, once you become, a, once you become a, a believer in Jesus, you're free on the inside, in your spirit. Your spirit is now free. Now your soul and your body can still be in bondage. You can still think the wrong way. You can still have emotions that are the wrong way. You can have things affecting you. You can be oppressed by the enemy still. Uh, you can open doors to the devil. You still have the ability to do that. You are free. You are, you are totally free. And so some doors you didn't know you opened. And, you know, it says in Ephesians 4, don't give the devil a foothold. You know, don't let the sun go down in your anger. In other words, that, that opens the door. And so there's things that open doors in our lives to where the enemy has access. And so we have to have Jesus come in and take his authority and close those doors. But here's the deal. Jesus never closes a door. We don't want to be closed. You have to want to be free. You have, to, you have to say, I want this door. I'm, I'm done with this door being open. And when Jesus closes the door, this is the great things. He not only closes it, he locks it, he boards it up, he seals it with caulk. He, I mean, he does, you know, he, pay, he, you know, he covers it up. It's now, just, it's now just a wall. It's not a door anymore. There's no, there's no access anymore. 
And that's the wonderful thing. You look at this guy at the end of the thing. What does it say? It says he's, he's totally free. He's sitting there in his right mind. He has been delivered. He has been set free from his bondage. And it scared everybody there. I mean, get this. The power in Jesus was so amazing that they were scared and said, Get out of here, man. We don't want this. You know, there's some people that encounter Jesus and His power is so strong that, they're, that they, don't, they don't want that. It scares them off because they see, Ooh, if, if this is God, you know, that's, what, that's where you get the fear of the Lord. You know, fear of the Lord is, is kind of this, this holy awe of, Oh, God, you're not just, you're not just my buddy. You're the one who, who speaks to the storm. You're the one who commands the darkness. You're, you're the one who set the world in motion. You're the, you're the king of the universe. You, you, have, you have power. You have authority. And some people, they couldn't handle it. They didn't want Jesus to say. I mean, wouldn't you think that these people would say, man, if you set this guy free, hey, I got some people in my family that you need to come meet, right? <laughs> You all have some people in your family, right? You're like, hey, come meet this guy. <laughs> come meet this gal. You need to, they need to come, Jesus, you need to come to them. But they're like, no, no, no. They're, they're so scared by the demonstration of power. But here, here's the amazing thing. Uh, later on, Jesus comes back to the, 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 the capitalist region, the ten cities, the cities that are pagan. And it, say, it says in some of the later times that there, there was larger crowds that begin to follow him. And some have... You know, surmise that it was this man's testimony that began to break free the light into the darkness in those ten cities. So it wasn't just about this guy. See, and the resistance of the enemy wasn't just about this guy. It was about the whole region. You know, there's a breakthrough. See, if, when you're the first person to get saved in your family, you're the breakthrough. You're the breakthrough. And there's going to be a lot of resistance. You know, when you start following Jesus, here's the deal. Here's how to know that you really got Jesus in your life. When you receive Jesus and trust Him as your Lord and Savior, your life is going to get really, really difficult. Right away, it might be like a storm. It might be like, what is going on? It might seem like, I thought I invited heaven to my life and all hell is breaking loose. Guess what? All hell is breaking loose because heaven has been released in you and hell is scared. You've scared the hell out of hell. Okay? Can I say that? <laughs> and so there's going to be all kinds of stuff, but here's the deal. Your testimony and your life is going to be, bring freedom to somebody else. Because you've been set free, you're going to see someone else set free. And I believe that's what happened with this guy because later on there's stuff going all through this region, all through these ten cities. These cities are dark. They didn't have the light. But through one man who came from extreme darkness into the light, the light begins to shine all over the place. And then people are ready to say they're not afraid of Jesus. They're ready to welcome him. Here's how to know you're in bondage. Number one, you have an issue in your life that pushes people away from you. You know, when you have bondage in your life, it, it, it keeps like pushing people away in relationship. You know, you've got that issue and it, it just flares up. 
and you say something or you do something or you act a certain way, you may not even know you're acting that way and you're like, man, well, how come I just... It's always the separation. So that's, that's one sign that, hey, there might be an issue. And you might, might ask, say, Holy Spirit, I need you to speak to me. Again, this is not about finding something that's not there. We're not going on, on wild goose chases to, to, to find something that's not here, try to dig up something. Let's try to dig up all the bad stuff in our life. No, no. We're just talking about recognizing whatever's there that we need to deal with. And so here's the deal. Number one, it's just like this guy, you know. People were scared of him. They wanted nothing to do with him. But here's, here's the other deal is it also makes you want to be not near people. It makes, makes you want to be away from people. A lot of times that has to do with shame. You know, the key thing with shame in our lives, and shame is a form of bondage in our lives, is shame wants to tell us that the thing we've done is so bad that we can't, we can't be open with our brothers and sisters, our trusted ones, not everybody, but the ones that are in our life that we know and trust, people that are close to us where we cannot share our weakness, our failings, our, our brokenness with them because we're ashamed. And so shame keeps us in bondage because it pushes us away from them. It's not that they're going away from us. They don't know. They don't know what's there maybe, but we know what's there and so we pull back. And so we, we put ourselves like this guy and says he was in a solitary place. I mean, that's how you know that there's some bondage in your life is when you're pulling away from the people that love you. Then you have to know, hey, there's something going on. There's something, you know, what's going on in here that's pushing me away? Because here's the deal. The truth is that I am loved. And I have people that love me in my life. My wife loves me. My kids love me. My, my in-laws love me. Most of y'all love me. <laughs> my, church family, you know, my church family loves me. You know, I, I've, got, I've been blessed, so any time I'm thinking in my mind that I've got to pull back from the people that love me, that may be an indicator that there's some form of freedom that needs to happen in my life. If you end up alone, that means... I mean, because that's, that's, that's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate goal of the devil, is if he can get you away from the, the community, away from the family of God, away from the people of God... He can use offense. He can use, he can use shame. He can use, uh, he can use just feelings of unworthiness, whatever it is, where you want to pull back from the people that love you, the people of God. It's, you want to run. If you find yourself wanting to run, you know that's a sign. Hey, there's, why am I wanting to run? That's a sign of, of, of bondage. It's a, a sign that there's some chain somewhere that I, I need to be free because the enemy wants me to end up out on a hill by myself. Just, it says in some translations that he was, he was in anguish. He was cutting himself with rocks. I mean, there was, there was just, you know, there was self-infliction of pain. There was all kinds of stuff. Where, and, and the enemy, you know, the devil wants you alone. Because it's, it's in the community. It's with the people of God where there's, there's freedom. You know, the community of Jesus and the 12 disciples showed up on the shore that day. The freedom was in the community, the people of God who love people and wanted to see them set free. And see, here's the deal. When we're in bondage, I love this scripture. I, I believe there's always a song going on. And it's the, the song that, that God sings. Psalm 32, verse 7 says this, You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble. And you will surround me with songs of deliverance. No matter how much in bondage you are, 
God is singing. He's singing. He's singing a song of deliverance. And He loves you so much. I'm so thankful for God's song of deliverance in my life. There's things that that I've been through in my life just like you where there's ways of thinking where I didn't even know it was there. And God had to shine a light and show me, hey, this is, this is wrong thinking. This, this, is, this is bondage to you. This is, this is going to harm your marriage. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. Like, I also like forget things. Like I always remember the, I, try, I guess I just remember the good. I don't know. But my wife, you know, she, she reminds me, man, our first year of marriage was hard. And I said, really? <laughs> I thought it was a piece of cake. <laughs> and then she goes, don't you remember this? Don't you remember this? I'm like, no, I, I forgive and forgot that. What are you talking about, babe? <laughs> you know, but I mean, in, in all seriousness, it's like you get free from something. And then it's like, I think in some ways, like, I don't even, I don't even remember that, you know. But, but there's, there's there, she's like, I remember that. <laughs> Because you were harming me. You were hurting me. And I'm, I'm so thankful that God has a song of deliverance that He's singing over us. And my prayer this morning is that you begin to hear that song. Again, you may not literally physically hear a song, but spiritually you'll begin to experience its power. You know, Jesus was always full of joy. Even when He was facing the darkness, He was totally joyful. I mean, Jesus was not concerned. He was not scared. He was not, he was not being moved out of his place of peace by this guy, by all these demons, by all the stuff that's going on, all the screaming, all the yelling, all the begging, all the, all the distraction that's going on. He was focused on one thing, freedom. The light always comes to dispel the darkness. And so I want you to hear that song of deliverance. You might be in the storm right now. Maybe you're, maybe you're in that place where you're in the storm. You're thinking, man, this is crazy. There's, and, and Jesus is just about to land on the shore. You know, the early church, a lot of the artwork in the early church, a lot of it was, fo- was, was focused on this passage with Jesus and the storm. It was a picture of all kinds of crazy stuff going on around, but the safety of the disciples, the, the followers of Jesus, with Jesus in the boat. I never never knew that before, but in researching this message, uh, it talked about the artwork and and all the stuff that was done. Because that was in, in in the early church, man. They were they were facing so much darkness. The world was so dark. There was there was nobody knew the truth. It hadn't spread all, all over the earth like, like it has now. There was a lot of darkness. And so the light, there was a lot of storms going on. There was a lot of turmoil. There was a lot of opposition. And so our world, it seems, has gotten dark again. And so there's a lot of opposition. There's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of hatred going back and forth. And here's the deal. I don't want to engage and get caught up in the storm. I want to look inside and see who's in my boat. And Jesus is always at rest. He's always at peace. It's, you know, He was in the storm. He was perfectly at peace. And that means I can live that way too. Because Jesus lives in me by His Spirit. If I'm a child of God, He has promised that. He will never leave me 
nor forsake me. So today, I want us to, I want us to close. Um, sir, if you've got like a, some, either a worship song or something uh, that we could respond to. Um, I want us to take, take a minute. This has been a strong message. I thought it would be a strong message, and it has been a strong message. But there's something. God may just want to shine a light on something today. You may be like, oh, I think I'm good. And you can just ask the Lord. And God might say, you're good. We're good right now. We don't need to deal with anything. Sometimes God doesn't even, he, he knows something's there. and He says it's not time to deal with it. So he's not going to shine the light. He's not going to show you yet. But when God shows you, when something's revealed, that's because God wants to be, heal it. Whenever it's revealed, you can be sure that God's going to heal. And so if, if the Lord does show you something this morning and shine a light of an area of darkness in your life, just know that he is, He's doing that not to shame you. He's doing that to free you, to show you, hey, here's what I'm about to do next. And so if you need to respond, you may, you may want to kneel down where you're at. You may want to come up to the front. You may want to, I, I don't know, respond however you want. You may want to, you may want to stand up uh, and worship God. I don't know what you want to do. Um, if you do come up here, we'd love, you know, some of us may, some of our leaders may come up and just set their hand gently on you and pray for you. But we're, gonna, we're believing for some freedom this morning. That when God reveals something, He's also going to bring that freedom. So the areas that God lights up in you, He wants to begin to break those chains uh, and break those mindsets, break those, those things that are, that are overwhelming in your life. So uh, can, we, can we respond to that? Let me just pray, and then we're just going to take a minute. And you can move, you can kneel where you're at. If you, if you just need prayer, find someone next to you that, that looks like they know how to pray. Um, you know, most, most of the people in here are, are willing to pray with you and just say, I just need prayer. You don't have to share it. You don't have to reveal all the dark details. But just say, I just need someone to, to agree with me in prayer. And so come up here, find somebody. But, but don't go out of here without responding because there's people here that you need to respond this morning. You need to respond this morning. Don't miss this moment where God's offering freedom. So, Father, right now, we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence right now. And we thank you right now that the light is in here. And so all darkness has to go. And so we come against anything of the enemy that would try to cause up trouble right now. And I say, peace be still. In the name of Jesus, the name above every other name. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to speak to us, to minister to us as we just take a few moments to respond to you in your presence, Lord, and we honor you today. We thank you, Jesus, for the freedom that you bring in our lives. In your name, amen. You are